if I was your boyfriend, I'd never let you go. I could take you places you ain't never been before. Baby, take a chance so you ever, ever know. I got money in my hands that I really like to blow. Swag, swag, swag on you. Chilling by the fire while we eating fondue. I don't know about me, but I know about you. So, so hello to Facetto in three, two, swag. Today we're talking about Justin Bieber. Live from the National Catholic Youth Conference in Long Beach, California. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Can you have a friendship with God? Can you have a romance with God? What does it look like when God is a central and integral part of your friendship or relationship? And what about when those relationships, friendships go wrong? Can they be reconciled? Is it too late now to say sorry? All of these are questions that we're going to talk about because they're covered in the music of Justin Bieber, who has had a long career. We've talked about him a little bit on this show before. Uh, one of our first episodes was on the Justin Bieber song, Holy Week mashed it up with Ariana Grande's song Positions. We had Brian Greedfield on. It was a great episode. But ever since then, I know, I knew that we had at some point to talk about the rest of his catalog. So live from the Catholic National Catholic Youth Conference in Long Beach, California, I am here with several students from and alumni of the Catholic University of America. We were here leading one of the sessions and doing music, and Liv was here emceeing. And we got to spend the last few days with several thousands of, of our uh, best young friends. So if you don't know who I am, I am Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader out of Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and trying to make it as a rock star at night with my band, trying to win Grammys and stuff. And now I get to lead worship and speak to thousands of people each year through events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies where we look for God's love in the media that you're plugged into. So then when we unplug and we take out our earbuds and we put away our phone, that we can actually go out in the world and live the gospel and know God's love a little better in my life, in our lives. So by the end of this episode, our promise to you is that you're going to walk away with some actionable, tangible ways that you can know God's love better and live God's love better in your life. I want to give a special thank you to all our patrons who make this show possible through popculturecatechism.com and the Awaken Catholic app. And I want to welcome to the show, Patrick, Maddie, and Liv. How you get doing, guys? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is so fun. Awesome. This is my second time. Yeah, second year, so time I'm last year when we were here. here. Big return. Indeed. We talked I'm a returner. <laughs> yeah, we talked about Taylor Swift had just released Red Taylor's version, and Ed yes. Sheeran had just put out his- Which you e cleverly named Red Sheeran. Red Sheeran, yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you for thinking that's that was good. clever. Yeah, really um, so go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to that one yet. Uh, so how about you guys tell me just a little bit about who you are. Maddie, we'll start with you. Yeah, so my name is Maddie Nolesky. I'm a senior at the Catholic University of America. Roll cards from um, Bowie, Maryland. I'm a marketing major, and- I was at NCYC exhibiting for our school, which is awesome, and you should definitely attend if you're interested in all things Catholic. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Liv. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I graduated Catholic University in May, um, and I was a major in theology and minor in social work, and I had a certificate in pastoral ministry. 
And now I am doing a service program called Echo through Notre Dame, and I am receiving my master's in theology. Um, <laughs> they turned the lights off on it. It's fine. They Just keep did. Going. I earned my, I'm earning my master's in theology, and part of that is service to the church. And so in the academic year, I am placed in Maryville, Indiana, in the Diocese of Gary as a campus minister of a co-ed high school. Awesome. Very good. Isn't that the town from that musical? It's like Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. Patrick, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Patrick. Uh, super pumped to be chatting here. Um, also from CUA, I'm a junior studying operations management and theology. Uh, this weekend, I was playing drums with the, with the music team. That's something I really enjoy doing quite a bit. Um, a lot of different things in the musical realm and as, uh, as well as... Uh, campus ministry stuff back on campus and um we just uh i love sports as well my interview my my intramural volleyball team just lost in the playoffs a couple weeks ago oh Oh, man man. yeah um but we got a big basketball season coming up so pretty pumped about that and and we're hoping to make a comeback so yeah uh, yeah Yeah. and patrick is being humble he actually plays drums out and tours a bit because your, your cousin is Connor Flanagan, who's yes, a yes. fairly well-known Catholic rapper, um, who's I'm going to get on the show at some point. But we haven't quite made it happen, but so if you've ever seen, been out and seen Connor play and he's had a drummer, that was probably Patrick. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Check out his music. Yeah. So, uh, and also we had, uh, Molly Snyder with us singing and we also had Brian Root, who's been on a couple of uh, both Ed Sheeran episodes with us, but they were lame and went to bed. So although, oh, you, you got to, you, you got to hear Molly sing. On the intro, she'd done She's harmonies. Exquisite. She's a vocal Angelic. performance major. She's awesome. Drop by so. to sing and then dipped. Yeah. And then <laughs> okay. you saw you saw Brian's guitar because that's what I was playing. So thank you, Brian, for your guitar. <laughs> and in, he's like the one who invited us all here. So yeah, shout out to him too. All right. So <laughs> I think we know who everybody is. Let's talk about the Biebs. So uh, Justin Bieber, if you don't know who he is, he got his start just singing on YouTube, just this little Canadian kid like 10 or 12 years old and he could dance, he could sing, he could play guitar. He was, oh my gosh, he was super cute. And uh, he kind of became a, a phenomenon. He was like opening for Taylor Swift and then he's kind of taken over the world. And then he's he's had a bunch of albums since then. He's grown up, he's now like married and um, a, a whole adult and um, still making albums. But he's had, he's had quite the quite the journey he's had some ups and downs he had some substance abuse issues i think he might have did he get arrested at some point definitely I think he got yeah. arrested definitely. i think he even got deported at one point wow back to canada back to canada and then yeah. um, i don't know it was a big thing in middle school people were freaking out because he got sent back to canada and then canada like sent him back or something when I, he was in middle school or when you were in when school. i was in middle okay school. gotcha yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get deported when you're in middle school <laughs> must have been up to some stuff now yeah. he's married to Haley. to Haley. um Who's like Alec, 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 yeah? Who's like Alec Baldwin's daughter or something like that? Right? Is that right? I don't. I don't know. know. Yeah, she's she's one. She's the daughter of one Haley of the Baldwins. Baldwin. Yeah, she's one of the Baldwin's daughters. Right. Yes. So yeah, they're cute. Together. Yeah, they are. <laughs> anyway, so uh, but he's uh, very publicly kind of shared his faith journey. He's done like stuff with Maverick City and sang worship songs. He sings uh, worship songs at his concerts all through his lyrics. There's references to God and that sort of thing. So we're going to, before we get into the themes, we'll, we'll talk about some of the artistic stuff, but that's, that's kind of who he is. If you don't know who he is, um, his most recent album was justice, right? That was his he's, most he's recent a, one. And that was his last full length project. I think he's had a couple different EPs and, yeah. and things like that since then. I could be wrong. Purpose, but. boyfriend, my world, 
Is that a, a number? My world. So yeah. good. Ghost. Anyway, we're here at the conference, so I didn't have time to do the normal research on the stats that I normally do. So forgive me. We were we were evangelizing the youth. Had a lot going on. <laughs> the a youth lot going on. <laughs> All right. So uh, what do you love about Justin Bieber? Like, why is he good? Um, I really like his voice. I think I've always really liked his voice. And I think especially now that he's an adult, it's just like smooth. Like I'm like, I would listen to like it's love like yourself. Butter. And I was like, I can't, I can't skip this song. Like, it's just so good. Um, and then I think like, as I've been listening to his like newer stuff, like he really, like, I want to sit down and have coffee with him. Like there's a story, there's a story somewhere there, yeah. um, about what he's been through. And then I think he is just like a strong, like I was listening to one of his songs, like just a strong witness to God in his relationship with God. And I think he's also um, really vulnerable in his songs too. Like, Was it Yummy Yum? Story. Was that the one? Maybe. Yummy yeah. Yum. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not that one. I agree. His his voice is just, he, it's so smooth. He can do these like effortless runs or it sounds effortless. I'm sure it's not effortless. Um, like that girl, Gabby, that was singing in the bar that we oh went to. We Gabby for Neely, dinner. check her out. Check, check out Gabby. Her I don't out. think she has any Gabby music Neely. out yet, but yeah. she will in a year. It's Artist. N-E-E-L-E-Y. We'll put her in the show notes. Shout out to Gabby. She, we went to dinner tonight and she was playing and she was fantastic. But yeah, you know, just those effortless runs she was doing, like Bieber does that. And um, I've heard artists that work with him say that he just has one of the best senses of melody, just like mm-hmm. the, which is like the main tune of the song. Mm-hmm. And he just comes up with really cool melodies. Um, so... Yeah, I, a lot of people like to hate on him, but he does. He is super talented. It seems like he's he's matured quite a bit too mm-hmm. um, since since coming out into like this just this pop world, um, and that's the sort of thing I would think I was I don't remember who I was chatting with about it, but I think about like middle school me uh, and middle school me looking at. 21 year old Patrick now and how much I enjoy some of Justin Bieber's <laughs> music, and I feel like middle school Patrick would just be like so disappointed in me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I th- I, to, to Liv's point, I think he's just a phenomenal storyteller. And and most of my enjoyment of Justin Bieber is that I'm just fascinated by him in some ways. That like um, he does seem like to be this 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 great witness, and he also has such a uh, an up and down past. And um, so yeah, just a lot of fascination and and, and awe at at his storytelling and narrative. Yeah, I uh, I mean, dude can dance. Okay, okay, I was gonna say also like this is this is more like baby beebs, but we were we were watching the runaway love uh, oh, okay. video in the airport. It, you know, it's just it's iconic. The chair, the kickback, it kicks the chair. Yeah, the the all white with like the dash of purple it's outfit. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah, super it's talented. Truly good. Classic mm-hmm. Bieber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is like quintessential Bieber. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> All right. Anything else we like about him before we move into the themes? Anything we don't like? Don't love his neck tattoos, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I like tattoos. I have two of them myself. But um, yeah, like there's a way to do it and there's a way to not do it. <laughs> and I think the neck is just where I draw the line. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Some of the style choices are iffy. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, and, I but mean, this is just like judging his appearance, which we don't need to do. <laughs> Well, he's he, like he started off as like a very young kid, so like stylistically, he's definitely changed some, gotten right. some that are more into hip hop, some that are more pop, some that are more R and B, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
yeah, there's def- there's definitely ones like Yummy Yum and like Eeny Meeny Miny Mo Lover, which are like okay, kind of kind of silly. No. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. One less, right. one less lonely girl still stands up though. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I can't wait to be one less lonely girl. Actually, no, I'd hate that. Never, never make. Well, I mean, like the the girl that he pulls up on stage I, during that song, yeah, and you get to cry. You would not keep me on a stool. Yeah. I'd be like dancing. I'd start the concert myself. <laughs> Grab the mic from his hand. Yeah, no, yeah. seriously, so All right, Justin, Justin. You know what? You, you sit. <laughs> I'm not that lonely. <laughs> You're lonely. Actually, for your information, I'm not even lonely. <laughs> I have God. Thank you. You'll find out later in life. That's a great segue into the spiritual themes. Uh, So I wanted to start off. uh, We talked a little bit about his spiritual journey and how he kind of got into some drugs, making some bad decisions, maybe some DUIs. I remember something like I might be making this up, but something about like public urination or something like that. That anyway, would track for him. Yeah. That's not like the, yeah. I mean, DUI is way worse than that, you know? No, but still. Yeah. It's a count. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of embarrassing. Uh, but then I feel like when he came back from that, like his first song was that song, Sorry. Is it too late now to say sorry? And it's kind of, and that was like, he was with Selena Gomez and then he broke up with her and people kind of thought, oh, maybe this is about that or maybe it's just about him saying sorry in life. So I want to read some of these lyrics. Um, so he says, you got to go and get angry. You got to go and get angry at all the honesty. Sing it. Um, you know, I try, but I don't do too well with apologies. I hope I don't run out of time. Could someone call a referee? Because <laughs> I just need one more shot at forgiveness. Um, I know you know that I made those mistakes maybe once or twice. And by once or twice, I mean maybe a couple of hundred <laughs> times. So Preach. let me let me redeem or redeem myself tonight because I just need one more shot at second chances. Okay. So is it too late now to say sorry because I'm missing more than just your body? I know that I let you down. Is it too late to say sorry now? So... Bars. Bars. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the question. I'm ready for it. Well, so first, I want to talk about the first slide. Where he's like, you got to go and get mad at all of my honesty. There are certain things in relationships, either with friends or family or whatever, where it would be the right thing to come clean when you've done something wrong. Okay? I, I did something that hurt you. I need to tell you about it. And so the person's response is, they're probably going to be glad you told them. They'd rather be told than find out from somebody else. But at the same time, they have a right to be angry if it was something wrong that they did. So I, I kind of wonder in this first line, you got to go and get angry at all my honesty. Is like, oh, you're just mad at me for being honest. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of <laughs> a little. It feels a little bit whiny. Yeah, like, it feels a little bit whiny. You're like, hey, I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. you're being honest about bad stuff you did. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. So I guess. If you are the person who has to do that, how do you how do you go about that when how do you leave space for the person to be angry but yet be honest with them? I don't know. That seems mm. hard to me. <laughs> that is tricky. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's really hard and, and it takes a lot of a lot of humility to just be able to say, like, you know, I messed up and you have you have every right to be upset, but um I own that and I take responsibility for it and mm. um, I can take it. Like I can take you being mad, um, mm. but I don't want to stay there. Like I want to move back towards towards that sort of friendship and that reconciliation. But um, I feel like I'm really bad at that. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh no, it's yeah, super hard. It's and really I think that the hardest part is that it, 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 that 
always takes time. Like yeah. there, there are certain situations maybe where it, where it happens like that and, mm-hmm. and, and you, you can reconcile, but, um, I really like what you said where it's like, I, I take responsibility for this, you know, and I'm, you know, you, you can be mad, like you deserve to be mad. And like, I really, I really like the way that you phrased it. Um, but I think those sorts of conversations are necessary to real intimacy. Yeah. Right. Sure. If you're going to have a friendship that goes on yeah. for a long time or a romance or even, even with God, you know, like, or in a family, like that's a necessary conversation that has to happen sometimes. Like I can maybe think of some people right now that I need to have that conversation with, you know, um, anything you guys want to add to that before my next question? Cause I got another one. Go for it, Manny. Well, I think there's, uh, two, like Patrick brought up a good point. Like saying to somebody, like, I take responsibility for this and I understand that like you might be upset. Um, I just think also another part of that is like understanding the difference between accepting an apology and actually forgiving someone. Mm. And like, um, this is kind of what happens in reconciliation is like, we're truly forgiven. But, um, like when you're with another person, like when you're with your best friend and you say like, I know that I hurt you and you have every right to be upset. That person might say, I accept your apology, but forgiveness takes more time than that sometimes. Yeah. And you like, mean like the sacrament of reconciliation? Yes, the sacrament. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. But but also reconciliation between, between people. Between two yeah. people. Um, but I think like that sometimes is the hardest part is like waiting for a person to say like, yes, I finally like I forgive you and now we can move past it um, and understanding like true forgiveness. Well, and I, I think forgiveness in like there's, there's a such a thing as like choosing to forgive Mm -hmm. and then there's like the feeling of like closure and the feeling of closure is what a lot of people mean when they say i just can't forgive you like what they mean is i like i don't feel right about this yet and that you know you can't choose the way you feel like you can still forgive the person even though you don't feel closure and you can forgive the person even if it's not the right sort of situation to reconcile with them like reconciling would be I, we're going to like try to repair this relationship, you know, but forgiveness is just like, I'm, I'm not going to like hold this over you anymore, you know, but like, if there's somebody who's really hurt you and has continued to hurt you, like it might be the right thing to set up some boundaries in your relationship with them because reconciliation, like forgiveness just requires you Mm -hmm. to forgive someone. That's just a choice you make. And in time, through prayer, maybe counseling, maybe talking with some people, you get closure. But reconciliation always requires both parties. And if the other party is not willing to change and, and, and work on the behavior, you can have forgiveness, but you can't have reconciliation. And that's not on you, right? Preach. If you've done what yeah. you need to do, yeah. Yeah. right? So because we are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? That's like one of Jesus's greatest commandments. And so we can't. Like we are, as Christians, we are all about self-sacrifice, but it's, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, like you need to respect your, your own dignity as a child of God and loved by God and you need to recognize like, hey, this, is, <laughs> this isn't good for me. This isn't leading me to holiness. Like I can't be the person I'm going to be if I have this person who's hurting me you know, in my life. I might need to set up some boundaries. So I think those terms, forgiveness, reconciliation, and closure can be really clarifying for people because mm. um, yeah. a lot of times we think they're all the same thing. Yep. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And I just think like something Patrick said of like giving the person you're talking to space to be angry. I yes. think a lot of people don't expect 
like, hey, I completely own this and you can totally be absolutely furious. Often the person that hears that is like, well, now I can't be angry because you just gave me the space to be angry. And I think in this song, it's like, you got to go and get angry at all of my honesty. Justin Bieber is angry. Like, like Mm -hmm. in writing that, like he's clearly upset. And I Mm -hmm. think when you were saying something about reconciliation, I've been focusing a lot about, or like how, when you go to confession, like what holds you back from confession is often that shame and guilt that you sit Mm in. Yeah. Um, and if you're sitting in that shame and guilt, you're still making it about you. You're not, you're not actually thinking about, um, the fact that you offended God or you offended the person that you hurt. You're thinking about how it's pulled you away or whatever. And so I think in the same way, Justin Bieber is thinking about himself of like, you're getting angry at my honesty this is kind of on you. And he's not really taking that and saying, you know, I, I clearly actually hurt you. Yeah. It's kind of getting offensive. I'm 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 really genuinely sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so let's, let's flip to the other side. What if you're the person who's being apologized to? Cause I think like, how to, how do you, how do you handle your anger? Okay. This person has hurt you like really hurt you and you have a right to be angry and now they're apologizing. How do you handle that? (laughs) That's a harder question, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it probably depends. It probably depends on on you. Because I I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I think something that that I've started doing when somebody comes to me and they like feel that they need to apologize to me about something, if I agree with that sentiment and they do need to apologize about something, um, something that I'll say is, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for apologizing. Um, can I just like have a minute? And then I'll like think within myself. Um, and that's something that I didn't like, I wasn't able to do for a long time. Um, it's just like realize that I need to step back and take a moment. And you can't like expect everybody to do this because sometimes we're just irrational and we just like jump and we are chomping at the bit to like jump down somebody's throat. But like, I think, I think I'm, I'm starting to realize that if somebody has the courage to come to me and say like, I messed up and I'm really sorry about this, then like I, I owe it to them to say like, okay, well, you know, give me time and I want to come back to you with like a charitable disposition because right now I'm upset, um, but just give me a second and I won't be upset if you, if you give me some time. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. I've talked about this on the show before, but I'm, I'm the sort of person where um, specifically between me and Maddie, my wife, uh, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Like I'm down, like right now we're going to stay up and we're not going to, yes, exactly. <laughs> but we're, we're going to stay up until like not going to bed until we fix it. You know, whereas she like, she needs some time, you know, and it took me a while to realize like, oh, that's not her avoiding me. Like that's, she needs that processing time. Whereas like I'm an external processor. Mm, like, me too. We're going to, we're going to work it out as we talk. Whereas she's like, no, 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 that doesn't work. <laughs> I need some time. So I think being able to ask for that space. Um, I think also what you said is important. Like, thank you for apologizing. Like you're recognizing, like I am angry. And you're telling that person I'm angry because I think it could be a mistake to just be like, that's okay. You yeah. know, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Whatever. It's fine. When it's not fine, you know, acknowledge you're happy they apologized. It, it's okay to say that you're angry. And again, like that is a path to real intimacy mm-hmm. when you can express what the feelings are, but, you know, still say, you know, we're, we're still here, you know, and <laughs> this is mm-hmm. going to take a little while, but 
you know. Yeah, yeah and so. another important, a, a weird kind of spin on that situation that I've encountered in my life is when people apologize for things that I don't see coming. Like, like I don't feel like you've hurt me, but you feel like you have, and so now you're here apologizing to me. Um, that's a really interesting siren going by. Oh, it's all good. Um, here. Uh, anyways, that's like a that's an interesting space to be in as well. And so in that situation and in any situation when there's an apology going on, I think it's also important to like give the apologizer space to say everything they need to say. Mm. Um, and then I think, uh, and this goes with all relationships and all sorts of conversations, but the, the importance of silence and not fearing silence and being able to say like, um, uh, not just I need space, but after they say like, Hey, I just need to apologize for this. I'm sorry I did this. Um, and sometimes it's just like three extra seconds of sitting there taking a breath and then like the next level of, of what's actually going on can come out. Um, I don't know. Yeah. When I, well, I feel like sometimes those sorts of apologies, it's almost like a veiled way of saying, and I'm not accusing anybody of this because I've, I've done it too. It's almost like a, Hey, I'm kind of feeling insecure about this and I want validation. You know, it's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, been there. Yep. sorry. I, you know, Oh, I hope it didn't bother you that I, you know, did whatever. Like really you're just, you're just looking for a little bit of validation. So I think that's maybe a way to purify our intentions a little bit is, I don't know, maybe this would be a little bit more honest about it with ourselves. And <laughs> yeah. And I also think when, when someone, when someone hurts you, you're often hurt because of how much you love them. Mm, like, like yeah. I think you can get really hurt by people you love a lot. And so I think remembering that too of like, I don't know, the gift of being able to be so hurt because you yeah. gave so much love. I don't know. I've never really thought about this. I'm externally processing right now. That's good. Um, but I think like that's that's why we respond so angrily is because we're like I had so much love for you and now I like don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. It's like a loss I of think, trust. A little yeah, bit. loss yeah. of trust. But I think like taking deep breaths and being like, okay, I love this person. That's why I'm so hurt. And so like maybe not get rid of that love fully, but just like take it in and like it's still like admit your hurt. I think yeah. I have a problem admitting my hurt. Like mm -hmm. I, because I don't want them to feel bad. Yeah. But like mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to be like, you know what? Yeah, you did hurt me mm -hmm. and that sucks. And I'm really glad you're apologizing because I, but it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I feel and weird the, with apologies. And the, the tricky thing is, is if you can acknowledge that with the person and you can work through it together, you actually have greater friendship. Right. greater intimacy with Absolutely. them than if you never admitted to how you were feeling or they never admitted to how it was with yeah, you. And awkward, the same yeah. is true of our relationship with God. Like when we go to him in our humility, that's, that's why, you know, that parable of the, the two men that went up to the temple and the, the Pharisee said, Oh Lord, I tithe and all this. And I pray. I'm so thankful. I'm not like that other man, like that tax collector. They, like that. they did. And, uh, the tax collector doesn't even lift his eyes to heaven and says, you know, Oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner and beats his breast. It's like, that's the man that goes away justified. Not the one who's like, I tithe twice a week, you know, right. <laughs> um, or I, I, whatever it is, I fast twice a week and I, I tithe on all that I have. So it's, I was mixing up my That's okay. parable things. The Bible's big. The Nobody, Bible, nobody's perfect so, hard to learn all of it. It's so big. <laughs> so big. Yeah, I, like, yeah, the Lord wasn't very, he was not vague 
and no. saying that no. that life in general and particularly like relationships with God and with one another are going to be cruciform. Like, Ooh. it's Ooh. the, the cruciform. Good word. <laughs> SAT Five points from Patrick, Patrick Kyler. Kyler. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but just like that, that's a deep truth that the cross is always going to show up mm-hmm. no matter what we're doing. And so if you're, if you're, if you're entering into a friendship or a relationship or anything uh, with any sort of depth, you can expect to find that suffering there. Yes. Um, and that's not something to fear. And that's something to actually like step into. into like yeah. Jesus didn't say like, receive your cross. He said, take it up, like get down in the dirt Ooh, and grab it. That's like, good. That's good stuff. Man. And Hashtag bars. I don't, yeah. That's really Fast. scary, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag facts. Hashtag facts. The bishop that said mass, this he did his homily and he kept going, hashtag facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was Joe. his line. Where's he from? Brooklyn? Bronx, I think. Bronx. Bronx. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's know. hardcore. One of those he's New hilarious. York places. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So what about reconciliation and saying sorry in the broader culture? So he also has this other song that we wanted to mm-hmm. talk about called Afraid to Say. Uh, I'm going to read some lyrics here. <laughs> I'm afraid to say the wrong thing, criticized from every angle, and I'm afraid to lay it on the line, and selfishly I want to hold back. Do we got the room to make mistakes? Are we judged for everything we said? Um, is uh, Does what I got to say even matter? Is life just about climbing up the ladder? And can we even see the lives that are shattered? Because I'm really trying to silence the chatter. What have we done with society when everyone's getting canceled? And can't there be room for maturity? Because writing them off is not the answer. Do we got the room to make mistakes? So talking a bit about so-called cancel culture. Hate it. Hate it. Why do you hate it? Um, Let's give some examples and then tell me why you hate it. Oh, examples of cancel culture? Or just like generally. Um, We don't need to name names. The entire society. (laughs) I got one. Go ahead. Go for it. Um, This didn't happen to me. She goes to the same high school that I went to and – when the when the Black Lives Matter movement started um, started getting you know more what is the word I'm trying to say started intensifying, um, she was afraid that if she didn't post something about it on her social media that her friends would leave her, mm-hmm. and um, and it was hard to watch that, thinking like she's such a great person and of course she wants justice and of course she wants peace, um, but like does this really represent her? And are these really good friends? And, mm-hmm. you know, what, is, what does it mean for her to be part of the school community if this is like a, if this is a reality for her? Yeah. Um, and so just, um, just witnessing that and, and thinking to myself, this is really like, that's crazy. Um, well, so, yeah. and, and so I think a lot of people can feel that in different situations is because like you said, you know, of course she's against injustice, yeah. but you hear the phrase black lives matter and it can just be on the surface black lives matter, but sure. there's also an organization black lives matter, which exactly. has a very specific list of like exactly. what they stand for, exactly. which I think is easier to take issue with than sure. just the phrase black lives Absolutely. matter in the same way. If you want to like think on the other side of the political spectrum, if you say, are you pro-life? Like, I mean, who's not pro-life, but pro-life often has some things that go along with it exactly. that some people think is problematic. And so, and, and, and Jesus often tried to, you know, get 
past these labels. A lot of times, like he was kind of secretive about that word Messiah, because even though he was the Messiah, Messiah meant something very specific to some people that he was going to come in and overthrow the Romans. And so I think when we try to subvert those, these labels, which can carry so much, like we're actually being like Jesus and saying like, well, well, no, I don't fit exactly into that political movement. I can agree with this, but I don't agree with this. And I think that's something that our Catholic intellectual tradition arms us well to be able to do mm-hmm. is to be like, you know, people are like dismantle capitalism. We can go and be like, well, John Paul II wrote Santissi Musanus and he <laughs> talks all about the problems of socialism and the problems of capitalism. And if you mean this by capitalism, then yeah, we have some critiques. But if you mean this by capitalism, then there's some pretty good things, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. like we can get past the labels because we have this robust tradition, mm-hmm. intellectual tradition, and the same thing with racism and, and, and life issues. Um, we have, there's an encyclical for that, you know? Definitely. So I think um, that's a problem when we, we do assign like these labels and you say, well, what do you mean? You don't want to make America great again, you know, yeah, <laughs> or right. yeah. you don't want progress. You don't want to move forward in society, you know, and, 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 and both sides of our political spectrum do it. But that's one of the things I love about being Catholic is it gives me like deeper meaning and deeper purpose. We're going to talk about purpose later, but it, it gives me a better lens to see the world than just like the American political polarity and where it is right now or where it was five years ago or where it was 10 years ago, you know? Yeah, so, um, so <laughs> now on the other, so I, I I think that is a problem with cancel culture is we don't give people uh, opportunity for forgiveness or we kind of shoe, shoehorn them into a certain way of thinking, right? And we don't allow for deeper conversations on things. But what do we do with someone who really is like problematic? You know, like let's say you had. Um, somebody who's an administrator, let's say at Catholic university, there's an administrator or a chaplain or something like that, who is saying like really racist things or had like an inappropriate relationship with a student or something that was like, okay, clearly you crossed the line and there needs to be some repercussions. I think some people would call that cancel culture, but I mean, there's also just a thing as just like consequences for your actions. You know what I mean? Indeed. So how do we, I don't know. How do we balance this? How do we have grace for people, but also not because in the church, we've definitely run into trouble when we've just kind of like been like, eh, brush things under the rug, you know, ah, they're a bishop, you know, <laughs> right. Which we definitely don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think that's the whole point. I, I think that cancel culture is not giving anyone space to change. It, it gives no grace. I think it gives no grace. And I think if anything, if you cancel someone, I, I think it goes back to to being angry and being hurt and what anger makes you do if you don't handle it well. But I, I think if you cancel someone, they they go more to a um, you know what, this is this is dumb. I don't even care. I'm gonna continue doing it my way and I'm gonna do it like even stronger, as opposed to saying, Hey, I, I think that you have a really big heart and I'm sure you had really good intentions, but what you said hurt a lot of people. And I want to talk about what you said and why it hurt. And I can't stand cancel culture because we have gotten rid of dialogue completely. Like I think we're not listening to each other, which is why we're not solving any issues because we're all trying to win an argument as opposed to coming to an understanding of the other side in order to get to the middle to grab a compromise and define one tribalism it's like us versus them 
yeah. You know, yeah. those people. And I think that's contrary to the gospel, right? For Jesus, it wasn't us versus them. It's like, hey, us, you know, right. it's us. Even the Romans, even the tax collectors, even the Samaritans, right? Even the, even, even the women and the sinners and the, even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, although he had some words for them at points, you know. But that's, um, that's the whole point, though. Like when I think you're right, it's, it's, it's a weird line. It's hard to tell when something becomes like a clear wrong that you have to address. Um, but I think Jesus is the best example is that he was always drawing people in and he was never like, he was never like loading up. Like I almost picture today's culture, like everyone has like a shotgun and they're just waiting for like this, the clay pigeon to go up and then they're just like, Oh, there it is. Boom. Yep. Um, and Jesus was never like that. But when issues arose, he was, he was strong in his. Well, and I think this is kind of what we're talking about is our Catholic intellectual tradition is very good at like saying, well, if you mean this, like just like we did with reconciliation, forgiveness, and closure, like we take one term that's used as a blanket term and a blanket label and we're able to break it down and say, well, if you mean this, then this, if you mean this, then this, if you mean this, then this. And if by cancel culture, you mean uniformity of ideas. And if you step out a little bit, you can't get a job. You're kicked out of your school. You are ostracized in culture. If you make one mistake, you know, if you express one political opinion that, you know, it doesn't align with this side or the other side, then you're done. I think we could probably agree that's wrong. But if if by cancel culture you just mean like holding people responsible when they do really harmful things, then you know, you can fire people. You can put people in jail. Like some people need need those consequences. So um yeah. Yeah. And I think we're just missing out on the humanity people. Like I went um this summer after I graduated, I went to a mission trip to LA. Actually, we're in California. How funny. Um, and I was working with Homeboy Industries, which is an organization that serves and ministers to um, people involved in gang violence or previously involved in gang violence. And it was started by Father Greg Boyle, um, who was really just put in this parish in this area that was really heavily influenced by gang violence, like really like not good things. Like people killing each other and killing brothers and sisters and they went to funerals all the time and all these kids grew up really it was like kill or get killed like you had no choice but to join a gang um and it is this whole organization where father greg just found like three um they call them homies when they join the organization um and he was like it looks like you could use something to live for that's not just killing and getting killed wow. And he started like a bakery with like six bros, like absolute homies that you would never think are going to work at a bakery. And it has just grown and grown and grown. And now it's the biggest gang intervention center. But like the, the people that I talked to, I have never been in a community that was filled with more joy and more faith than this community. I mean, like we were completely welcomed and they told us our stor their stories. Like we all had to take like an hour in the church because we were all like processing all the wow. things that we were like, it was real stuff, like real and raw. And I guarantee you that at least 10 or more of the homies that we talked to have probably killed people. Wow. And they could and have if, been canceled. And, and they could have been canceled. And Father Greg Boyle decided, and he, he writes a whole book and it's not of like changing them but he says pulling the good out of them that is already there. Is that tattoos on the heart? So yes. Look well, it, he has like three different books, Okay. but it's just so, so beautiful that he, he's genuine and authentic. And he's like, these guys have something to offer the world. And I, we've got to find it because there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And I think the organization is so good. Um, 
because they all share like a really deep hurt and trauma and um, that whole community. Like they were talking about, like we grow up and we're like, oh, imagine Mary um, and like losing your one and only son. And we were in a community of moms that don't have to imagine it because they do. They lose their only sons to this gang violence. Um, and on Good Friday, the moms do a rosary. So they on Good Friday, they all go in the chapel and a mom that has lost a son to gang violence does a decade of the rosary. When they told me that, I was like sobbing. Like I cannot imagine. Um, but I think if we we cancel people, we're missing out on a lot of gifts and talents that we can offer the world wow. and the church. So he's a Jesuit, yeah? He's a Jesuit. Shout out to the Jesuits. Um, there's a, a term for, for this idea that, you know, how can we forgive people like this? And, th- and, and Jesus encountered this all the time. How, do you know what sort of woman that is that's washing your feet, Jesus? You know, he's eating in the house with the tax collector. Does he know who he is? Oh, that guy's the servant of a Roman soldier. You know, Jesus is really a prophet. He would know who this person was. And the same sort of thing, like Father, Father Greg, like, do you know who these people are? And it's called the scandal of grace. You ever heard that term before? No, it's I love it. Yeah. So it's like the idea of, you know, we're so forgiving towards people that, yeah, sometimes it is scandalous. Um, but sometimes it can, it can bite you in the butt, you know, like sometimes if you don't set those boundaries and, and you let yourself be risky, um, like those people, they, they really can hurt you. Um, you know, this is, this is kind of a, not a dangerous example, but when I was a high school teacher, we were selecting like the student leaders for the next year. And we, we picked our A team. We were kind of down to the kids that it was like, well, it could kind of go either way. And there were two boys <laughs> particular who we were like, ah, do we take them? They're like good guys at heart, <laughs> but like also they both have some issues. So we decided what we would do is we would pull them aside and have like a heart to heart about like, mm-hmm. we see all these gifts in you. Do good you plan. think you can be this sort of like good, strong leader? And they both said yes. And they both decided to do it. And the one kid like was one of our best leaders graduated, won a bunch of awards, totally turned himself around. Now he's graduating and he, and he like runs all these like charities and like his local community. Okay. The other kid was expelled like the next semester for like sending nude pictures of himself to a girl. (gasps) Oh no. And so it's just like, you don't know. You got to take your chances. You don't know. And that is like, that's the sermon on the Mount. That's the sort of heroic thing that Mm. Jesus calls us to is to sometimes put ourselves in these risky situations of forgiving people. It's not, it's not risk-free it's cruciform. You know, we put ourselves in the position of, of the cross. Um, but that's a matter of discernment. Like how you got to pray about, you know, is this a situation where the Lord's calling me to be a little risky or is this a situation where the Lord's calling me to be, um, quote unquote smart, you know? Yeah. It's also not, it doesn't just like father Greg even said this, like I'm not justifying your past. You can't go around and kill people. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not telling you that we'll ever be okay. And I think going back to forgiveness and reconciliation, I think some people think forgiveness means what you did was okay. And that's not forgiveness is in the now and it looks to the future. It's not supposed to go back to the past. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's really important. It's not to justify anything that they've done. It's just to allow them to move forward and allow yourself to move forward. Wow. I was going to move us on to our next topic. Uh, We're going to talk about this song, Ghost. This is one of his more popular, more recent ones. Anyone want to sing it? Is the... If I can't get close. 
ghost of you. Is it that one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll settle for the ghost of you. I miss you more than life. Yep. <laughs> right? you That's so intense. I miss you more than life. Okay. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> about this song. Bieber, more like Justin Deeper. <laughs> I cannot believe you just said that. You've got to cut that out. Oh <laughs> I gotta leave gosh. that in. Oh, oh that's goodness. good stuff. Yeah, that's that's thank you. Yeah, no All right, let's look. look at, I have like it. one good joke a year. <laughs> <laughs> let's look at some lyrics. Okay, so it says, uh, "Young blood thinks there's always tomorrow. I miss your touch on nights when I'm hollow. I know you crossed a bridge that I can't follow." Since the love that you left is all that I get, I want you to know that if I can't get close to you, I'll settle for the ghost of you. I miss you more than life. So wow. on the surface. He, I mean, he's talking about missing his wife. He spends a lot of time on the road, you know, but this is kind of one of those songs where you could like switch baby for Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it works, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think Ooh, the I ghost have, of you is in like the Holy spirit. <laughs> maybe. Wait, bro, there's like, this is the Ascension. Think about <gasps> this is the like, Ascension. Okay. Like, go ahead. I oh, just, I just whoa. Like, about this. like, I know you crossed a bridge that I can't follow. Okay, so the ascension, like after Jesus dies, Jesus he ri- died. He, he's he about ri- to, yeah, so he he's rises risen. from the dead. He hangs out with his disciples for like forty days. So this is like the and disciples. Then he ascends to heaven. He's just ascended. Oh, sorry, Siri, well, Siri figured about. it out. Yeah. So. I don't know. I literally just thought of this, so I could be. Okay, wrong. so why is this the ascension? I'll settle for the ghost of you. Yeah, literally I know Pentecost. you. I know you crossed a bridge that I can't follow. <laughs> the Lord has ascended. We can't follow yet. We're still on this earthly pilgrimage. But since the love that you left, the love of the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. He's left us the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Is yeah. all that I get. I want you to know that if I can't be close to you, if you have to ascend, I'll settle for the ghost of you. But that, I mean, maybe we don't want to say that because we're not like settling for the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have the Eucharist. Well, but they might have at that time. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think I think in, in some ways, like, you know, we, we say that like the Eucharist is a foretaste of heaven, you know? Yeah. So like, the Lord has left us with his Holy spirit and we have access to that Holy spirit through prayer um, and worship, but also especially through the sacraments, the Eucharist reconciliation, marriage, baptism, confirmation, all those sorts of things. Um, but sorry, in, that was a random thought. No, that's no, great. I, I think I'm it, like, I'm actually really into this. Yeah. I'm into it too. But there's when, some, there's but in there, but in heaven, we won't need the sacraments, right? Because right. we'll, we'll be face to face. Right. Oh, can't wait. That's so, going to be so fun. Yeah. It'll be awesome, man. Really looking forward to it. Get up, get up, get up. Get, get, get up, up out, out of that grave. Yeah. We were singing that tonight at Mass. It was good. Hashtag um, Fox. Hashtag <laughs> Also, okay, also I love the priest today, the bishop who was giving the who was giving the homily was like, You're gonna die. And yeah, I was he said, like, You're gonna die. Amen. One word. He's like, Are you ready to die? And I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I'm not. <laughs> maybe not. Like <laughs> Okay. Okay. So here's my question is, see what I, what I was thinking is this is like about almost like coming off a spiritual high. Cause I, I know for me, like I've gone on a retreat or like Ooh, a mission trip or been to a conference or even like a really good mass or something like that. And then for a little while you kind of see the world different, you know, yep. and you're all, all hyped up with Jesus and then, but it goes away and it's almost like you crash out of it sometimes. Mm. I don't know. Has that ever happened to you guys? Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. Tell me about that. Um, Actually, that's kind of like my whole faith story and how I, I started getting really involved in my faith was, um, so I, I grew up Catholic. I was a cradle Catholic, but it was kind of lukewarm Catholicism. My parents aren't watching this. I hope. <laughs> um, anyways, um, and then I went to a summer camp and learned about a personal relationship with Christ um, that I 
I guess didn't know existed. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Um, but it became really real at this camp and it was fun. And I, I was being inspired by counselors who were like really in love with the Lord, like something I hadn't seen before and really living their faith and like woke up early to read the Bible because they wanted to, not because they're being forced to go to mass kind of thing. Um, and I kept going back to this camp and it was two weeks every summer. And then I'd go home and I'd be on a spiritual high at 11, 12, 13, 14. I went till I was 18 years old. Especially when I got to high school, I kept going on a spiritual high and it would get longer and longer every year as I got deeper in my faith. But then it would always go away like once because I went to camp like May and early June. So it would always go away. And I was like, I've got to keep, I've got to keep this up because there's something here. And you can't just like, I can't continue going back to summer camp. Like summer camp is summer camp. It's not the whole year. So, so what, let's say somebody's listening right now and they're like, oh yeah, I went on a retreat and it was great. And like, God was, I felt like I experienced God, but then I went home and then it was, it was, you know, it was fake, you know, it, was, I, it seems fake now because now I'm just back to my normal life and nothing's changed. I think when I have these experiences, it's because you're not doing what you were doing on retreat, which you're fully capable of doing anywhere you are, like finding friends to talk about your faith. Like mm-hmm. you go to a small group and you're just sitting with people talking about your faith in like a room. Yeah, like you can ma- do going that to mass anywhere. And worship twice a day. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We, I think we have this like weird, uh, language that I heard in retreats and stuff growing up and in high school that like, you're going back to the real world mm-hmm. after a retreat. And then there was one, one retreat, one retreat that I was on, the priest gave like this clothing homily. And he was like, that's so backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like what we experienced here is real. Like these friendships that you've created is real. Like, um, the talks you heard, the stories you heard are real. Uh, we had adoration the, the previous night. He's like, that's as real as it gets. Yeah. Um, and so it's not a matter of like going back to reality, but like bringing the reality mm-hmm. with you back to um, the day to day. If you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a, uh, spoilers, there's a character at the end of it that like doesn't get to like go to like Aslan's country, which is like heaven at the end because they're like, oh, those silly little stories when we were children. Isn't that so silly how we used to pretend? And they're like, no, like that was that was real, <laughs> you know. Like we really did go into the wardrobe and find this magical. I want to read Narnia, you know. Again. So, um, anyway, were you going to say something, Maddie? Uh, I was just going to quote Eminem: "Back to reality." Oh, there goes gravity. There we go. But that's like honestly thinking about it. That's like kind of how retreat work sometimes where like you go back of course patrick just debunked the fact that like you're going back to reality um but like there's a sense though but like like, you know you go back and you're like no longer in retreat you're like back in your your school day or your nine to five job or whatever oh there's gravity like there's the devil tempting you there's like a million other things that you are doing yeah you have responsibilities and they're like like less opportunities well that's not true but it seems like there's less opportunities to pray and like it's not like you can just leave and go to a holy hour during like your work day or Mm -hmm. during like the middle of your class or whatever or even if you could it's all on you exactly um and so i think like it's totally like healthy to experience that and to say to yourself like this is fine any good faith journey has its natural ups and downs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And like, I think that, um, the, yeah, no, it's just, like, I, yeah. um, and I think like if you, if you approach it from like, oh my gosh, I'm losing my faith. Like everything is going to go downhill now because I'm not feeling what I felt on retreat. Like 
that's going to be worse for you than if you just are honest with yourself and you say, you know, um, yeah, like, of course I'm feeling this way because I'm not on retreat and I'm not like going to two adorations a day and I'm not receiving the Eucharist every day. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out like little times in your day that you can like remember those moments and remember how you felt and say like, what are some ways I can do that? What are some ways that I can bring God into my life right now? Yeah. I like what you said there. And I think it's important that we recognize that like the strength of your faith is not based on your emotions because, and, and, and there's, uh, so St. Ignatius Loyola, the guy who founded the Jesuits, uh, he has this great way of kind of understanding the spiritual life. And he talks about like moments of consolation where you feel comfort and close to God and moments of desolation where you feel like mm-hmm. this spiritual dryness and kind of almost like numbness or you don't feel anything at all, or you can feel like abandoned by God. Which a and, lot of the saints felt. Yeah. And, and everybody feels at some point and there's ups and downs and it's very, just just the human heart. It's every relationship. You yeah. know, if you've ever been in love with somebody, you know, if it's been for more than a few days or more than a few weeks, you know, that goes up and down and up and down. And, um, yeah, it's and that doesn't mean. I mean, you gotta you gotta work at it. But the the goal is not to get to the super high emotion. The goal is to have like a a, a solid good relationship that doesn't necessarily rely on the emotions. And so there's more to our faith, and there's there's even more con- more to consolation than just the emotions of it. Like you can be reading the scriptures or reading something spiritual or praying and get an insight, and you don't feel anything, but you kind of figured something out. And that's mm-hmm. a consolation, right? Um, so there's there's a lot more to the spiritual life than just how you feel, and I think a lot of people mistake that high for God's presence and God's existence. I once heard I went to a Christian concert and somebody said, "Don't don't mistake the kick drum for the Holy Spirit. Like <laughs> your, your emotions that's are not funny. the Holy Spirit." Yeah, as a drummer, yeah. Who was that? Uh, it was a Cademan's Call concert. Okay. So, yeah. That's funny. Awesome. <laughs> Dating myself. Okay, so speaking speaking of romance and relationships and friendships, I wanted to talk with you guys. I know one of the great experiences I had at Catholic University, what it, it was, I had a little bit of this in high school, but I felt like at Catholic U, I just had so much of it, was I had friends where like my relationship with God was like part of my friendships. Mm-hmm. And if like I was going through something, I could be like, hey, would you pray with me? Right now, like, can have you? Is that what you guys have experienced there? Uh, well, we yeah, we're all ministers together. You're all ministers, so. <laughs> okay. which was yes. the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> student minister. So you were like, you have. So tell us a little bit about being a student minister. What does that mean for people that don't know? Student ministry is um, is practicing the ministry of presence in the campus community. Um, so, um, well, yeah, we're we're a group of of 23 undergrads who work for campus ministry. Um, and we, there's the half of us live in community together and then half of us live in the res halls, but then also working, it's confusing, but basically we're like personal, spiritual RAs is kind of a good way to describe yeah. it and plan events, um, do Bible studies, just kind of walk with students yeah. through their time. Yeah, it's, min- it's ministry through the residence halls. Um, and he was saying like they're, it's split in two. It's like house ministers that minister to the freshmen and then resident ministers live in the dorms to whom they're ministering for whatever um, and minister to the upperclassmen. But then we as student ministers um, are our own community that we do prayer time every week and fun time every week and community meal every week and meetings and um, 
it's so, it's it's so awesome that's still going on because that, that was some of my best experiences at Catholic. He was yeah. being a resident minister for two years. So um, does anybody have any, any stories about like a friendship where like the spiritual life or praying together was just like a important part of the friendship? Because yeah, well, I think a lot of people have never experienced that. Some of mine even precede student. I mean, student ministry has been an exceptional experience. I'm very, very grateful for it. But um, I came into college at a very weird time. So my fall of my freshman year was COVID. Um, and so we come in, CUA did, they bent over back to get the freshman back in person, which I was very grateful for also. And um, so we were there by ourselves, but we had to quarantine for like two weeks before class and the classes were online. And uh, we had like this tent out in the parking lot that you had to like it felt like we were in like war because you had to like sneak down and like, get into the tent, <laughs> grab the food, and then like run back up to your room and, and don't um, breathe any oxygen. Yeah, while don't you're breathe doing at it. all, <laughs> even though you're outside. Yeah, yeah. The, this was before we really knew any of the science. Yes. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it was fun, <laughs> but because of like that just weird time, uh, the guys on my floor and the friends around me, we all just we we couldn't do anything except like stay in our rooms or hang out outside. So we ended up just like playing Frisbee all day. Um, and then that blossomed into a lot of friendships. And I realized like, oh my gosh, these are the same guys I see at mass now. And um, once we started to like get back into in-person stuff, and then those friendships developed. Um, and then one, one really cool story was uh, Lent of that freshman year. Um, I was already close to these guys and, and we knew each other pretty well. Um, but we came together and just decided like, y'all, we need to like keep each other accountable and, and pray a lot for each other and for the world and for our families and everything. And so for that Lent, we, we started this thing called the Brosery. Yeah. We knew about uh, it. The ministers the, knew about it. We watched these the kids. Like, they the were it's so funny that we Patrick like, and I are like will, close now. We watched these ministers. freshmen yeah. and they we created this that we everyone else called them God Squad. Like you knew that they were praying together. And yeah. it was like a group of 20 then, of y'all. Yeah, and then every night we would, didn't matter how late it was, when we were done with like homework or if we had to take a break, we would meet up and um, we've kept it going in, in, in a less like consistent manner just because we're all kind of scattered more so now. But mm-hmm. that's well, a good example. Well, and what I, what I can tell you being, you know, a decade or so beyond, beyond you guys, a decade or more beyond you guys, um, is when I run into those friends that I did stuff like that with in college, like here at NCYC, I ran into a few friends, shout out to Sarah Yaklik and a few others I saw. Um, like it's still like, Hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on? Even if we haven't talked in a decade, it's like, Hey, how can I pray for you? I'm going to pray for you. Like there's still that connection because of, of what we've shared, like through our faith and those experiences, like there's, um, I don't know. There's a, there's a real depth there. So, mm-hmm. um, so what about, I want to, so it can, it can look like that in a friendship. What about like a romance? Anyone want to share a little Ooh. bit about that? <laughs> Is that a yes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a boyfriend. Don't share anything. Your boyfriend would be uncomfortable. <laughs> no, of course, of course not. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I can I can kind of contrast. So my, my boyfriend now, um, we've been together for a year and a half. And um, it, you can really tell the difference um, when you have God in your dating relationship versus when you don't have God in your dating relationship. Um, so thinking about my relationship now um, with my boyfriend, JP, which is John Patrick, not Paul. Um, 
just I like that name. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. <laughs> John. <laughs> John. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, so JP and I always make it a priority to go to mass together on the weekends. Um, sometimes when we FaceTime at night, um, one of us will just start in the name of the Father and we'll just go from there. Um, really just depends on how we're feeling. Um, he actually um, encourages me to go to confession a lot more than I usually would. Um, you're a sinner. You I need know, to go. seriously. No, he doesn't say it like that. He just, Maddie, you're being mean. Go to confession. When I started, <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. When I started dating him, he would text me and he would say, you know, can't talk right now. I'm going to confession. And I was like, what? A man of God. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and so he was doing that consistently like every month and I was not. And so he never actually said to me like, you need to go. Um, but just he led by that example. Um, and so it's just things like that. And we can talk about things like purity and chastity and it's not weird. Um, and I could say to him on our first date, like, I'm not going to have sex with you unless we get married. And he said back to me, that's fine. Me either. Um, and so that that's was, fine. you know, it's just stuff like that. Um, however, in a relationship, um, like previous relationships, when God hasn't necessarily been, when God hasn't necessarily been the center of our, of a relationship, um, you know, we, I was falling into the temptation of, of sex and I was falling into, you know, impurities and impure thoughts and I was addicted to porn and it was like, it was not good. Um, and so I, I think, um, coming out of that time, um, and, and having this like very refreshing, very like God centered relationship, um, I feel a lot better. So, um, you wow. know, and, and it takes time, like it takes, it takes time to like meet somebody who like is actually going in the right direction there. And you, you can really feel a difference. You're like, wow, like I feel really good around this person. This feels right. And I'm at peace. Um, and all of the, all of the sin that comes with a relationship, like you guys are fighting that together. So it's easier mm -hmm. and yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah. There's yeah. a, there's a big difference between when, they're, you're with somebody and you're feeling tempted and they can support you and they strengthen you and wet or on the flip side, when they take the first opportunity to drag you down, you know? Um, okay. So you just dropped like some serious stuff. I did. Okay. So thank you for that. Yeah. And we, can, and we can, at, when we're done, we can talk about whether you want to keep that sure. in or have Ethan edit it out. Sure. Um, so, um, I feel, so first of all, thank you for sharing that because I feel like, a lot of people would hear, oh yeah, we pray together and we do in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, and while we're FaceTiming and we pray the rosary and we go to confession yeah, once like, a month. That's not it. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Pe and people are like, oh, well, that's nice. They have a holy relationship. But like you've you've had some some struggles too, right? Yeah. And um, honestly, it, even with my current boyfriend, it's taken me a while to feel comfortable just like sitting in prayer with him. Mm. Um it's easier to do it in a setting like where you're a minister and like that's part of your job. But um saying like I know that this is part of our relationship, but like it's kind of weird for me to like be in this new situation with you. And um yeah, even then it, it does take time. And if if anybody's listening and, and you're in a relationship right now and 
I'm describing something that does not at all sound like your relationship, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. And I think that that might need to be said as well. I don't want you to feel like you're you're doing something bad or wrong. Um, it's different for everybody. But yeah, if you don't feel at peace, those might be some things to consider. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say thank you for is talking about pornography. Because sure. I feel like uh, I once heard a, a woman give a talk on being addicted to pornography. And she said, you know, the guys, it's like we're all in prison, but at least we're all in prison together. But when a woman is addicted to pornography, it feels like she's the only one in the prison because so like porn is a porn is a guy thing. You know, like every 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 I think it's more common for guys, but if you yeah. look at the statistics, like a lot of women are looking at porn, a lot of women are addicted to porn. So I think there's probably some women listening who um will associate with yeah with, with what you said. There's also and, two out of two here, so yeah. I'm with you on that one. Nice. Uh, and I think that is like a huge thing of like Girls don't struggle with porn. That's not a thing. It's like, that's very much a thing. Wow. And I'm wondering, I think our statistics might just be wrong because women feel so isolated by mm. it. And like, I'm thinking a lot of women yeah. just haven't said yes. So I'm wondering if it it is yeah. literally a 50-50 deal. Well, and porn is a lot of different things. Like, I didn't know yeah. I was doing something wrong right. until I said something in confession. I was reading like things. Mm. I wasn't watching anything, but... But I was falling, like I could feel myself, like I would go to bed at night and I'd be like, wow, I really need to feel something. Yeah. And it was like, I know this is not what we were really no, supposed to be talking about, but we, we can, we can edit it out later if we but want, I but I think this is it good. was, Keep going. it was, yeah, it's just, and then I realized like, this actually doesn't make me feel right. And yeah. maybe this is something I'm supposed to not be doing. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so I think like, especially for women, like. I wasn't able to find much of a community of women who were struggling with the same thing as me. And it was like, so just like widely accepted. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Well, look at us. Look at us. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for sharing. I I was, um, one time I was talking with a spiritual director, a director about um, like make like a sin I'd been struggling with for a long time. And, trying, you know, and I kept, it was one of those things I always went to confession. And the one thing he said, I was like, I feel like I just keep confessing the same thing. And he said, well, on the plus side, you're not confessing anything new. And I was like, hmm, okay. I mean, fair. Well, that's good. Fair. fair. And, and, uh, what a but, positive man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my priest uh, was like, stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he also said that, but, but the other thing, the other thing that, um, the other thing that like I discovered and the way I moved past it was like asking the question, like, what is the why? Because there's a why behind it. And if you can find another way to answer the question of why, then just like, this is something that scratches the itch. Like you want to feel something. And if you can find like a a healthier coping mechanism, and I think prayer is part of it, community is part of it, talking about it openly is part of it, maybe counseling is part of it for some people. Um, But once you get to the why, because it's at the end of the day, like it takes some willpower, but it's not really about willpower, right? It's not that you're just weak because everybody's weak, right? It's not just if you were a stronger person or if you tried harder, like it's like you gotta, you gotta find out what it is. Like there's, there's a reason behind why that behavior, whatever it is, whether it's pornography or, or lying or gambling or, or whatever your coping mechanism, or it's saying like, you know, sorry too much, like we were talking about before. Um, if you can get to the why, it makes it so much easier to undercover yeah. and it becomes like the willpower part becomes a lot easier. So, all right. Woo. We just went there, people. We went there. That was we good. Did. So, it was okay. Yeah, it was good. I think your good. show often does. I've watched <laughs> yeah. your episodes. <laughs> yeah. they, they go there. People know there's, you're going to find out TMI if you listen to this show. 
<laughs> but is it TMI? Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, the Bridgerton um, episode is something. Check it yeah. out. All right. Or don't. Good. So I think we got to uh, pull this in for a landing here. But I told my listeners at the beginning that we would leave them with some tangible ways that they can live God's love in their own life. So maybe each of us can just take one short thing, give us a little Ooh. 30 seconds or less. What's your takeaway from what we've talked about here? Anybody want to go first? What's the question? Live out God's love in your life? Yeah. Like what's, what's the action point? What's the takeaway? One actionable thing. Well, I think we haven't touched on Justin Bieber's purpose, and I feel like that's where we can go. Okay. Um, I just think, and I think this whole conference has been about telling the youth about um, the, youth. the youth, the youths, um, about their purpose in life and their purpose in the church, and that your purpose comes from God and God alone. And if you look for it in other places, it's just going to fail you. Um, I think it might make you happy temporarily or might make you feel fulfilled and satisfied for a short amount of time. And then you're going to feel desolate again. Um, and I think until you figure out, really go into yourself and figure out what your gifts and talents are, not the gifts and talents you want to have, not becoming a, a rock star and not like, that's not what he was called to. Um, and I think we, we try to reach out for these things and we need to go inside more I think the Lord dwells within too, as much as he's out there, he's also within us. Um, I think finding your gifts and talents that you were created for that no one else has, um, and figuring those out and cultivating them intentionally, not just waiting for them to be cultivated. Um, and then living that out. And I think you will feel loved and you'll feel satisfied. Um, and you do have a purpose. So it's not about like making your life have a purpose, like it does have a purpose. You just have to find it and live like it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Who's next? I think um, remember the humanity in people and it will make it easier to love them. Mm. Nice. Man. Thank you. That's good. I think, sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, it kind of like to what you were saying about finding the why, I think that's applicable not just in sin, but in anything. Mm. Um, and so zooming out from good things, bad things, uh, whatever it is to, to see the, the, the larger story that's being written. Um, and, and the more and more you zoom out, you just realize that it's just God pursuing you over and over again. Mm. Um, and then I think the, the practical way to do that that I found super, super helpful is uh, is just like actually committing to reading the scriptures mm. um, and not just in like a vague way, but like um, starting with the gospels, I think, and just reading a chapter every day. I'm on Luke right now. I am on Luke right no, now. Really? Yeah. No way. Good for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've. I, gotten through them all before yep. but this is gonna be the longest episode Luke. ever <laughs> um but like whether it's the gospels i think the psalms is another really really awesome way to pray i mean that's how jesus prayed so just like the rhythm of it and and uh, this is a, a big thing that i i think about and pray about a lot like if you want to hear god's voice you have to learn his language um Ooh. and so like immersing yourself in that uh on the daily with, without compromise uh by the way, if you're looking for an easy way to get more scripture in your life, one of the other Awakened Catholic shows on YouTube in combination with Spoke Street Media is called Awaken the Word, where we give short reflections on, oh, no it's, it's three minutes every day, and you get a short reflection on the gospel nice. of the day. I do, I do about 
maybe a quarter of them and then other awakened Catholic hosts do the other ones. So check that out on YouTube, awaken the word. It's also on like some, I think redeemer radio, which has like some Catholic radios or stations around the country is on it. So yeah. So check out awaken the word if you're looking for a way to do that. So I think those are all great takeaways. I was going to say when we were talking, when you were talking about Patrick, um, unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, uh, like embracing the hard parts of our relationship and like, that's not the part you want to avoid. Like that's the part you need to embrace. Not like in an angry way, like we're going to fight this out. But in like, uh, like we were talking about, like <laughs> not saying, so much that you're seeking it out either. Yeah. Like you don't want to like, but you're not, you're not running for the sake of conflict, exactly, but, but you're yeah. not running from it. You know, this is how I feel. This is how I hurt. You know, I'm still with you. I might need some time to process it, but yeah. yeah so I, I really think that's, that's good. Conflict's um, always going to come too. So if you push it off, it usually just gets worse. Say that again. <laughs> I said the the conflict's always going to come too. So if you push it off, it usually just gets oh, yeah. work, which is why mm-hmm. you should just deal mm-hmm. with it. In the moment. All right. Well, let's close in prayer. Um, and I'm going to close with a psalm that Justin Bieber uses in one of his songs that we talked about. Yeah, Psalm oh, 139. So let's pray. Stuff. Wherever you are, listeners, take a, take a moment to pause and let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. You sift through my travels and my rest. With all my ways, you are familiar. Even before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all. Behind and before you encircle me and rest your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to reach. You formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am wonderfully made. Wonderful all your works. My very self you know. My bones are not hidden from you. When I was being made in the secret, fashioned in the depths of the earth, you, your eyes saw me unformed. In your book all are written down. My days were shaped before one came to be. Probe me, God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Lord, we place ourselves in your hands and we ask that you would search us, that you would know us and you would teach us to know ourselves. Show us our purpose. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 We pray for Justin Bieber. Amen. Thank you guys so much for doing yeah, this. That was awesome. I know Thanks, it's super late. It's like 1 a.m. West Coast time. Yeah. No, so it's not. We are nice. super tired. And we're getting up for sunrise. <laughs> Shout out to all our friends who are at NCYC. Um, if you would like to support this show and all the shows at Awaken Catholic, you can become a patron. You can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron of the show. There are six levels of giving. You can pick uh, which best fits your budget or your tithe, and that helps um, support this show and support all the staff at Awaken Catholic and support me and my ministry uh, as well. So uh, please, and you also get exclusive content with each episode and all the talks that I do also go in there. That's through. That's part of the Awaken app. So if you download the Awaken app, it's a free app, but if you're a patron of one of the shows, then you get access to all the exclusive content like my talks and exclusive content for each episode. So for example, if you the exclusive content for this episode is going to be the music set that we did at NCYC, I'm going to put it in the Awaken app nice. and you'll get to see the music that we did. It was really so, good. Yeah. So also download the Awaken app. It has a, a Christian music library, Christian prayer library, and with Latin prayers, Spanish prayers, and English prayers. It's got a great Christian community. And then it's also a hub for all the shows and just got a, a big overhaul. It looks beautiful now. So definitely download the Awaken app, either the free version or if you're a patron, you get um, the fancy version as well. I want to thank uh, all my patrons, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Bob and Lisa Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, and Tom and Emily Camberiotti, and Jay and 
Dar McCaffrey, but all my patrons as well. If this episode has touched you, I want to really encourage you to share it with somebody, maybe somebody struggling with some of the things that we talked about here. Just send them a screenshot or text it to them. Um, so many people reach out to me and say, hey, I found the show because somebody sent it to me. So that's definitely a way. And hopefully this touched you uh, and we'll see you next time. God bless you. We love you. God bless. Bye, Peace. Guys.